What's a vertical file? It's a library collection of small publications used to answer questions. On Vertical File, we talk about information and knowledge management in many different fields, covering the practical, the technical, and the philosophical. This is Vertical File by Sutron Global. Welcome to Vertical File. I'm your host, John Connolly. Today I'm joined by Megan Johnston, the lead consultant at Analyte Projects Limited. She has extensive experience as a PMO manager and project manager. Megan writes a regular newsletter called The Generalist PM on Substack and is an active contributor on LinkedIn and with the Project Management Institute. Megan's passion is helping businesses connect strategy and execution. Megan, welcome to the show. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm so excited. I wanted to start with you. Your expertise is kind of in project management office, PMO. And I was hoping you can help us understand what is that and why do organizations have them or why should organizations have them? Yeah, definitely. Uh, So like many acronyms in project management, PMO stands for a few things. So most commonly it stands for project management office, but sometimes it might also stand for a program management office or a portfolio management office. Its function is as a governance structure within an organization, and it will have broad responsibility to oversee project management and the associated structures within the organization. So this includes projects and programs and portfolios if they exist, regardless of what the office name actually is. In the past, the focus of a PMO was on policies and procedures and training for project and program and portfolio managers that were operating within the organization. Uh, Recently, uh, this role has been shifting toward more of a center of excellence function. So they're more of a guide. And instead of prescribing the way of doing things, they recommend project supports. They might have more diverse knowledge and background. Um, And they're moving to like a coaching model with project management staff instead of an administrative model. Some more future-focused organizations within the last four or five years are beginning to realize that their PMO is a strategy partner. And this is the part that I think is more exciting these days for people who are interested in establishing a PMO in their organization. And basically a strategy partner, uh, the key role that the PMO plays is to support value creation and value delivery within the business. And so shifting to, in some cases, they're now calling it a value management office. What this does is it vaults the PMO into helping the organization maximize the value that they deliver and fully optimize resources. So you're getting the best bang for your buck by positioning the PMO in this way. And this changes what the PMO does to enhance and involve maybe things like strategic planning, um, strategy implementation, strategic execution, and also prioritization, which is something that many businesses need to do and aren't doing well. Right. And we're all about strategy here on Vertical File. We're all about, you know, the integration there between the bigger picture strategies and like how to harness the knowledge resources and the information resources like across the board for the good. And I'm just curious, you know, for PMOs, what does success look like? Like what helps them become the most effective at that value delivery? Yeah, so some things that I think are really important. So the position in the organization is very important. I think 
for a PMO to be the most successful, it's ideally operating at an enterprise level, which means you have one PMO and it's got a direct line to your C-suite. Possibly it might be operated by someone at the director level, but that's in an executive team where we have very close operational you know, discussion and, and influence between director level and senior level administrators. Then the PMO is going to rely on having strong leadership. So that individual that's in that key leader role, whether it's a chief project officer role, whether it's a PMO director, that person needs to have very strong leadership skills. Ideally, they're a bit broader of a thinker than just a project management thinker. So they probably have strategic experience, maybe portfolio experience, definitely program management experience. It should be more sophisticated than an ordinary project manager. And then I think the things that really are important are really understanding theory behind the PMO. So that's documented. The organization understands the function of the PMO. And then the last thing, which I'm pretty passionate about, is that the organization needs to be putting deliberate intent, both at the organizational level and also within the PMO, into developing competencies and capabilities in value delivery. Okay, so really shifting in that future-focused lane. Right. It's all tied together, right? Exactly. And that's kind of the theme that I've seen of PMOs. Now, I've, I'm a project manager. I have my PMP. Um, and not every organization has a PMO, right? Sometimes the, the, the nature of what they're doing doesn't necessitate it or they're too small an organization for that to make sense. But something that's a big deal for me is projects create new knowledge. As we are moving through a project, we're learning new things about our strategic position, about our competitive advantages, uh, improvements to ways of working. And I'm hoping you can kind of elaborate a little bit on the difference between facilitating project learning and promoting learning like across an organization out of the project. Yeah, that's a that's a really great question. I'll start by just kind of defining what it means to me. So to me, promoting learning across an organization simply involves cultivating a growth mindset in staff. And then you need to create opportunities for the staff to chase their growth areas. And growth areas are probably identified one of two ways. They might be self-identified by the staff member, or they might be part of a performance management strategy for the staff member. That could be a positive performance management strategy, like they're getting you know, groomed for promotion or succession, or it could be a negative one where we have actual skill gaps, but we're conscious of them and working to, to develop them. So that's what I think when we say promoting learning across an organization. I think project learning is a very specific organizational learning approach. And this is deeply connected to a mindset of continuous improvement, not, a, not just a growth mindset. So essentially, project learning looks backwards at the end of a project to reflect on things that went well and things that need improvement. And this is done with a deliberate intent to incorporate opportunities for improvement into the next projects. And in this way, the organization is always learning and improving its project practices. I do think that PMOs facilitate both kinds of learning. Like I said earlier, PMOs have a role to play in coaching project management staff within the organization. So absolutely, they're involved in that promoting learning generally and that growth mindset within staff that they coach or administer. But also the PMO facilitates this really important kind of project-based learning through this practice of project retrospectives. 
And they do this through a few different types of activities. So they would hopefully provide a template and a procedure for carrying out a project retrospective so that we have a consistent practice of this throughout the organization, wherever the projects may be happening. They're going to be actioning improvements to facilitate organizational learning and continuous improvement. So they're going to be in charge of owning those things that come up through that strategy. And then I think there is a job associated with keeping records um, with these lessons learned. So they should be documenting them and also documenting what's been acted upon. Um, and this would be similar to businesses that track their approach to risk management. So like ISO accredited businesses have obligations to track risks and corrective actions that are taken. Think of lessons learned as potentially a model that's like that, but just with less, you know, sort of severity. Sometimes there are things that there aren't universal, specific, good frameworks for how to get a specific thing done. And I think lessons learned falls into that category. Uh, something that we, you and I have spoken about offline here is chartering, right? Like there's not a lot of guidance as to how to get that done. PMI says you should be getting it done, but beyond that, you're kind of on your own. So what can we do as professionals to change that? You know, a lot of times, you know, that coaching, that guidance, PMO, what's out there in the realm of the PMO and just for project managers and general people interested in that line of thinking to help them get these things done and get them done successfully? Yeah. So, I mean, this is a huge area and it's a huge challenge, especially for younger project managers, because you come in with this expectation from your employer that you need to accomplish these things. They might've read about them, but honestly, you really have not much direction, which is interesting for a profession that has so many things that are quite prescriptive within it, at least in certainly in the past practice. My role as I've, you know, become more senior in my career has always been focused on helping project managers to come up with these skills. And that made me, I guess, a bit of a systems thinker, which probably contributed to my leadership in PMOs. And throughout all the organizations that I've worked for, I've looked for opportunities to design frameworks for this. So I have a framework that I use for project charting that I teach every organization and I teach every project manager that works under me as a way of helping, you know, with this problem for project chartering. Um, I've seen teams do, you know, just kind of regular documentation. I've seen teams do it more like, you know, Scrum where they create, you know, sort of some minutes from the project retrospective and then they just kind of try to have those in a central place for the team. My real thing is that that doesn't operationalize the lessons learned very well. And so I think if you're structuring a PMO, particularly, this should be the key thing that you're focused on is how can you operationalize? How can you act on those opportunities for continuous improvement and view them as an opportunity? Yeah. I also thought a little bit about a framework that people could use to investigate how to describe a lesson learned as well. When you asked me this question offline, and I think that there are kind of two key questions that could be focused on by the team that's identifying the potential for improvement. The first one is really spending time characterizing what is the problem. And then the second one is characterizing what is the opportunity and viewing it instead of as a lesson, viewing it as an opportunity leads to more of a solution mindset in the sense of people can get more creative about how could we get better here and I think that that also sets up basically an opportunity to create an experiment. So like agile experiments, 
you could set up an experiment where the organization tries a potential solution they feel might be the most viable. If it turns out not to be viable, there would be an opportunity to try other alternatives that might have been identified when discussing the opportunity. And so that's something I think that maybe listeners can take away from this discussion. One of the reasons why we're not just information management focused on this podcast, we're very knowledge management as well, because you need to have a strategy for not just for storing everything. I think a lot of organizations, that's where their focus goes, right? Storing everything. But like on the retrieval, which is also good, but you also need to have a strategy for making it learned and then making it acted upon. And that's like a bigger, broader, more hairy human problem than a lot of people give it credit for. It's not just about having a policy because policies, I I tell people all the time, you know, culture will eat process for breakfast every day of the week. So yeah, I mean, I think that's fascinating kind of where you're starting with that when we're looking at implementing something like this. We're looking at you know, what can you do, not just as a PMO, like as an organization, like you've worked with a lot of organizations, you've worked with PMOs. What are some of the biggest needs kind of on the table there? And how have you filled those? How have you helped people see what they need to do to strategize those? And what's the most important thing to make those changes stick once the organization's decided on them? Yeah, um, I think at the end of the day, organizations are fundamentally successful because of their people, almost to the point where I think the P and PM should actually stand for people, not project. Um, it'd be more realistic in terms of what the actual job really is about. Um, I think the biggest impact that I make in organizations is to help them see their people and systems in a new light. I think I bring a unique perspective to this because I have a background in biochemistry and this made me interested in the concept of human chemistry, the study of reactions between people and the structures that they form. So, you know, when people are involved in a team, the reactions are a little different than when, you know, interactions are one to one. Um, viewing interactions and relationships within an organization through this lens, I think, gives us a unique perspective because it allows us to kind of have a bit of objectivity. We're more focused on patterns and behaviors than we are on individuals. And this allows us to manage performance in a different way. And it also helps us to understand why old patterns are hard to break because the chemistry is really established. Um, and if you know a little bit about chemistry, you'll know that it involves things like bonds and, you know, the breaking bonds, you know, requires heat or, you know, other stimulation in order for the chemistry uh, to work and organizations really work the same way. So when we are creating change in an organization, we have to build new bonds, right? And to do that, we need to supply, you know, energy and things that will allow for those things to happen, which means that we create conditions that stimulate the new reactions that we're looking for. And this will take effort. I find that this kind of model, mental model, helps people step back from what's immediately in front of them day to day and instead focus on something that's a little bit more um, neutral, right? Less polarizing so that we can really come up with the best um, solution. And once we understand this, then we can design um, the interactions that we want and we can create the environments that stimulate them. Usually I do this by creating visual maps that help organizations to see their processes as they run through the organization. But we visually map 
them as a sense of the steps and the interactions that happen instead of the people and the way that things are prescribed, you know, to those people. And this really boils down to what I like to call as organizational chemistry, which is a deliberate view of the organization's success as an expression of its people, their interactions, the environmental conditions, and the resulting reactions that we get. And I think that that really helps people to zoom out from the day-to-day and find that way to design the organization that they really want. Right, on a systems level. Exactly. Yeah, and not on a, not on a personal level, but a systems level. Because I yeah. think there's always a danger when you're trying to improve an organization purely on the personal level, where people being people, they will identify the lowest performer in the group and then just hammer the lowest performer until they go away. And then everyone is really happy for a very short period of time before they identify the next lowest performer and begin to just beat on them for a while. Like it can be a snowballing effect, I think, when you're on that level. But if you can elevate that conversation to a discussion about systems, I think that can actually transform an organization kind of from the ground up and ultimately change its culture, which is really what we're talking about. Yeah. And I think that that's really a lens that culture is intentional, right? Instead of culture being accidental Mm -hmm. or culture just being a series of statements we tell ourselves that are how we behave. I spend a lot of my time talking about how information management can help project management, right? Because I've spent 16 years as a librarian. I'm a project manager as well. What about in the other direction? How can project management disciplines help people who are working in the information management fields? Yeah, so I was thinking a lot about this question as I was preparing for our chat today. And I I, I honestly, I think the evolution of libraries is a fascinating part of history. And some of this has happened in my lifetime, I'm embarrassed to say. (laughs) I think the principle of what a library is for, though, and also what the staff working in a library do hasn't shifted as much as we might think. And I boil this down to like basically three kind of pillars, okay? We have knowledge, we have media, and we have expertise. In the beginning, the knowledge was stored on the medium of clay tablets, and the librarian played a critical role, possibly even being the only one who could locate and read the media. And that was a critical, you know, sort of function in the early, you know, library. We've evolved to storing knowledge on paper, then on film, then on digital media, and now we even store it in a remote location that's centrally accessible from the internet, which gives the library, so to speak, a much broader audience than it had when it was a physical you know, structure. And alongside the evolutions of these media, we have the role of the librarian evolving as well. And this has gone from, you know, first just simply needing a mechanism to locate books on the shelves, like the Dewey Decimal System, and then a mechanism to locate books within a space, like a card catalog, which is how I learned how to function in a library when I was young. (laughs) And now we face this journey about how to best organize and share the world's knowledge in a far more accessible way than a physical library. And I think that's an exciting time for humanity. This means that libraries today are facing new challenges. And I think that there are two that are kind of really important for us to understand. The first is volume. The volume of information, the volume of knowledge that's available is higher than ever before in human history. And the second is speed. The speed that that knowledge is flying at us and the speed that people want to access that knowledge is a completely new scale than it was in the past. 
I think that project managers actually deeply understand both these pillars of knowledge, media, and expertise, and also the problems that libraries are facing, because our profession is also interested in these three pillars. And like librarians, project managers are facing that challenge of how best to locate the knowledge that's required and how it should be stored and retained. And that's led us to, in some ways, become experts in knowledge and information management in a specialized sector, right, specifically within the project realm. And like libraries, our profession is also facing new challenges. Artificial intelligence and digital technologies are radically shifting the approach to project documentation and also the flow of information in projects. We can have flow of information much more rapidly with instant messaging, right? And online discussions. And, uh, you know, the way we document information is, you know, similar. Now we're moving from paper away, you know, into digital records and how do we organize those? It's probably quite different from how we organized paper records in the past. I truly think that the intersection of these two things is gonna result in some exciting things for the world as we move forward. We talk about the fact that many of the world's greatest projects in the next hundred years will generate some of the most valuable knowledge ever in the history of man, because the only problems that remain to be solved are hugely complex, right? We're solving the toughest problems that the world has ever faced. And it will be critical that project managers and information management professionals are aligned in how to capture and store that knowledge or that knowledge will get lost, you know, much to the world's detriment. Yes. And I think that it's cool because both of our professions will become these critical experts that are guiding the world's future as a result of our mutual efforts. It's kind of like returning to the days of Alexandria's library where librarians were among the most important of society's knowledge keepers. You need someone with expertise, right? Like that's a big deal. And we need to be getting the most out of the things that we're storing. Because if you can't retrieve it, you can't find it, you can't learn from it, and you can't act on it, it was actually a net loss to even create it. It's not a zero. It's a, it's a negative number because you invested time and energy, focus, money into creating something that is lost. Yeah, and it's pretty easy for it to get lost and it happens really quickly if there isn't already a strategy for how to prevent that. And that's the part that worries me for sure. Project managers see this happen every day, right? We see projects yeah. that just disappear into an organization's fabric and the outcome is just lost, right? Yeah, and I'm looking around at, you know, I'm coming out of libraries into project management. I'm looking at some of these big, big gaps and I'm like, hey, everyone, there are mature disciplines that handle these kinds of problems for you. <laughs> you, just, you. You all are in need of librarians, right? And librarians are kind of in need of knowing the exciting new opportunities that are going to be in this world. So many facets to information. It touches all the different disciplines out there. And I can continue to have conversations about this forever because, you know, everybody's got a different perspective on it. Yeah, definitely. I think it's going to be fascinating to see where your podcast goes. And I love that we're getting this opportunity to have this important intersection between the two. Well, Megan, thank you so much for coming on the show. How can people reach you and connect with you if they wanted to continue having conversations with you about PMO and, and all the things we touched on here today? Yeah, so great ways to reach out to me are, are on LinkedIn. And uh, you can also follow me on Twitter at Analyte Projects, A-N-A. L-Y-T-E, and then the word projects. I hope that we can talk again soon. Yeah, sounds great. 
This has been Vertical File by Sutron Global. If you enjoyed this show, please rate us five stars wherever you find your podcasts. Check us out online at www.sutron.com.